0: How can we retain optimism in the future when facing existential crisis today? Telling a history in physical objects rather than usually as we do it in people or events or places provides a really helpful framework for a story and the history. What objects would a future historian look back at from 100 years from now and so these were the objects of the 21st century? Rather than looking forward and being dazzled by novelty, it's about looking backwards and examining influence and importance and trying to kind of get myself in the headspace of a future historian. A real historian in 2082 would use words and terms that would make no sense to us in the same way that the words and terms we use today would make no sense to someone 100 years ago. So I decided to break the structure following threads to places where you're not sure where they might take you. There's something really important in being specific, being concrete, and that's what an object gets you. It's by saying, okay, well, just imagine we might go to Mars. That would be cool, wouldn't it? You know, you have humans on Mars. Okay, that's fine, but what does that actually mean? How would that change people's lives? And the idea of having a glass of water from Mars and saying, okay, well, imagine if this is traveled, you know, for six months in a spaceship to get here. What does that mean? What did people do to get that? I think it's really easy when you're doing research to just home in a little bit too closely on your subject. And I think it's so essential to follow these threads because you don't know where they might take you. It can provide a lot of insight into how to contextualize new technology in a way that people used to as well. And my book about the future is fundamentally an optimistic book. I think you have to be a little bit optimistic to write about the future in a way that doesn't turn out to be The Hunger Games or The Road or something just completely depressing. It's hard to remain hopeful and optimistic about the next century amid massive climate change and inequality. And it was really hard to sort of understand this feeling other than putting it in a way of everything feels depressing. But then I learned of a word that spoke to this sense of paralysis I think a lot of people are having and it's called acedia and this is an old word, and someone called Bruce Schneier wrote about it, and I'm gonna read from what he said. So acedia was a malady that apparently plagued many medieval monks. It's a sense of no longer caring about caring, not because you'd become apathetic, but because somehow the whole structure of care had become jammed up. And if we can no longer trust in that future, many things just become irrelevant. They just become retrospectively pointless. And by that, we mean that from the perspective of a future whose basic shape we can no longer take for granted, this fundamentally disrupts how we weigh the value of what we're doing right now. And it becomes especially hard under these conditions to hold on to the value in activities that by their very nature are future directed, such as education or institution building or making art and that's what many of us are feeling and that's today's acedia so that's what Bruce Schneider says about acedia now if this sounds accurate to you I mean is it helpful or is it just putting a word on a feeling is it just depressing but I think it's important to understand how you feel and why you feel that way in order to change and grow And if Assyria is where we are, a place where things feel pointless because we can't trust in the future, it tells us that we need to regain that trust in the future. We need to have faith that we have a future. And like religious faith, where we find this will be individual. My faith, my personal faith in the future, is rooted in science. It's not in the whiz-bang science of rocket ships and AI but in the global scientific community's efforts to understand how the world works. And science is just incredibly (laughs) a painful pursuit because you work so hard and probably you're not gonna get an interesting result after years of research. But if you put together millions of scientists, you can wring some truth out of the world. And that's where my optimism comes from. But it's also rooted in history and how communities have again and again, come together amid adversity to do something that benefits future generations. It is still worth caring about the future because there is going to be a future that we can all care about. Hospitality. Normally when we hear about hospitality, we think about the hospitality industry, you know, like hotels. But Meg Conley has written about the idea of hospitality in ancient Greece. And I'd love to think about it, not just in a way of welcoming in people, but welcoming in ideas. You know, I think it's really important to get to know the people and the the places in need who are beyond the boundaries of our home. Who are they and what do they need? I'm not saying that we should ask them to tell us who they are, to tell them what they need. I'm saying that we should ask who they are and what they need. And as the answer, we should listen. So we're not really that different from the ancient Greeks. We have our own monsters, our own petty idols, our own prejudices. There's still a fair share of brutishness mixed into our culture. But we need to add in the idea of hospitality before the whole thing falls apart. And I think that is how we get out of this. And that's how I have my ideas, by trying to bring in ideas that maybe at first seem odd or seem different, and being hospitable to new ideas and new people. And I think the mistake in utopian thinking, it's assuming that we'll get to a better future automatic And I think it's an understandable mistake you can make by looking at scientific and technological and social progress in the past centuries and millennia, and just drawing a straight line out into the future as if it will just happen on its own. But in reality, as we all know, it comes from work and sacrifice. And there's another mistake as well. And that's that we all agree on what our utopia is. Not long ago, the idea that women should have the vote or that Chinese people in Britain were equal to white people would have horrified even many of the smartest people at the time. And I'm sure that many of our practices today will seem horrific to those in the future. And I think what's important for you and for all of us and for me is to imagine how things might be better in the future so we can aim there. It's not your responsibility to get us there, that's what society has to do, but It's our responsibility to imagine something that we can aim for. And I think that's what we all really need right now. Sparks is produced by Unboxed and brought to you by the RSA. To find out more about RSA Fellowship and our Design for Life mission, visit the RSA.org.